glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? <laughs> That's it. I was glad. Man, think about that. I, mean, I think we said this last week in the message. And for thousands of years, one time a year, the priests got to go in and see God face to face. Talk to him. Once a year, one man. And now we all have access through the blood of Jesus at any moment, at any time. Come on. <laughs> Whew. Let's not take that for granted, amen? Oh, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. How many can say amen to that? Yeah. All right, well, we bless you, Lord. Well, I'm going to thank you for being here. It's going to be a good day. The Lord has a word for us. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings right now. have a couple of announcements we're going to cover as well. Um, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, let's go ahead and give our tithes and offerings. Let's, let's bless the, the people we work for. Actually, let's do this different today. I want you to bless your own home. I want you to speak a blessing over your own finances and over your own home, right? As we're faithful to God in our tithes and our offerings, he says that he would open up over us a window of heaven and pour out upon us blessings that we could not even contain. And that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And if we are, thank you. And if we are saying what he's saying, we get what he says. Amen. You guys agree? If we say what he says, we get what he says. And so, God, we just bring our finances and our, our families, our homes, we bring it all to you right now, God. And we lay it down as an offering. Lord, we may tithe, we may give our offering, but we don't just give only that portion to you. We give it all to you. <laughs> our act of obedience is our covenant with you that says it's all yours. Whew. And so, God, we, we uphold our end of the covenant, and you said that you would be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And so, God, I bless my home. I bless my family. I bless our finances. I bless my neighbors. I bless my community. I bless those in this room, those watching from home. God, I bless their homes right now. God, I ask that you would help us in this season where things are tightening around the world, that you would put a bubble and protect us, God. Give us wisdom on how to manage our money now and steward what you've given us better than we ever have before. Mm. May we prosper in the land of affliction. Amen. And Lord, I'm not talking finances. I'm not talking houses, money. I'm talking may we prosper and be in good health, Amen. even as our soul prospers. And God, I ask that you would just do everything that's in your heart for us. Every plan that you have for our families, we say yes to it. God, help us to stay on track towards that purpose and that destiny. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Thank you so much. If you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. We bless you. We pray God does something wonderful for you, wonderful for you today. Um, I do have uh, announcements. Next week, right after church, we're having a lunch. Lunch is provided. want to invite everyone here. I'm not sure if everyone's heard or knows this, but uh, next Sunday, right after church, we're going to turn this place into our banquet hall, and we're going to have lunch together, and, and uh, it'll be a great time. Um, we also... Have a men's retreat coming up, so November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. If you're going, just see myself, Lance, or Mark, and we'll get you situated for that. And I wanted to go ahead and start putting on your calendar for the holiday. We've, we've planned ahead, and Christmas does follow on Sunday this year, so what we're going to do is I, we're going to do the table. 
where we all sit together and we have a meal together um, and it's going to be our worship service so we'll have no Sunday service on Christmas but that Friday December 23rd at 7 p.m. we'll meet right here we'll have a Christmas dinner together we'll celebrate what God's done for us this year we'll have testimonies and prayer and minister to, minister to one another um, and so we just invite you to that if you haven't been to one of those they're very special um, something different happens when you sit around a table and eat food together <laughs> Amen. I mean, every time you follow Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're talking about food or eating together and how Jesus says, oh, I long to eat this meal with you again. Like at, at the last meal, he's like, I can't wait to have this meal with you again. That's how much he loved it. So we'll do that. And then um, that also means that New Year's Day is on a Sunday. So to be kind to everyone, we're going to start church at two o'clock instead of 1030. All right. Sounds like a good deal. We'll just move the clock back. We'll start at 2 p.m. And that's all the announcements, I believe. Um, and we're ready. So this is what I want to talk about today. So, Father, we just give you our time. I ask that you would help me to say the things that I need to say. God, I pray that your anointing is here. Like preaching without the anointing is worthless. Like Hank just said it. Like if that, without the power of the cross, without the power of the gospel, enticing words of men's wisdom do nothing. But God, if you say it, and if your word is behind it, God, it changes lives. And God, we ask that you would say uh, something different to us, say something special to us, or revive an old word in our heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, I want to talk to, about becoming his dwelling place. We started this last week, and how we talked about how we've kind of drifted from the purpose of the church, and how it has become a lot of good things that have become our expression toward God, but they're not the main thing. Um, our worship, our songs that we write, the church buildings, the decorations, the programs for kids and youth and adults, and all this stuff we do, it's good. It's our expression unto the Lord, but it is not the main thing. The main thing is His presence. And so we're here together around the presence of God. We're here to stir up His, His presence in our atmosphere. And so we want to make that the main thing. And because uh, when we put Him as the main thing, it will affect all the other things that we do in a positive way. And so um, I want us to, to learn how to become a dwelling place uh, for his presence. Now, I read the scripture last week. I want to read it again from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And the Bible says that David had a really special relationship with God. It was different than anyone else in his time. As a matter of fact, he was ahead of his time. He talked to God in different ways than anyone else did. Um, some of the, the, the teachers of the law would say he broke the laws. But it was all in covenant with God, in relationship with God. And so David finally gets both kingdoms. Now, if you don't know the history, God anoints David as king, and it's years later till he becomes the king. As a matter of fact, as it's like the worst thing that could have happened to him was someone telling him, you're going to be the next king. Because from then on, the next 10 to 15 to 20 years was running for his life, hiding in caves, not having a home. Think about that for a moment. He was roaming around, running for his life, fighting wars. He was even uh, brought in uh, as like a hired hitman for other nations to go to war because him, he and his mighty men were so good that whoever they fought for won. So countries are like the Philistines were even like, David, come fight for us. Think about that for a minute. They, he killed their champion and now they're paying him to come fight for them. And he does. And so this was his life. It's chaos. Saul's trying to kill him. 
And David's running for his life. And for many years, there were even two opportunities. He could have killed Saul. And, and one, he crawls in and cuts a piece of his, his, his robe off and was like, I was that close to you and I didn't kill you. I mean no harm. Stop chasing me. And then another time, he goes in and he takes the sword. He's like, I was this close. And I didn't kill you. Why are you trying to kill me? Um, And so this is David's life. And so finally, he becomes king of Judah, one of the tribes of 12. He becomes king. The other other 11 are like, no, we want one of Saul's sons to be our king. And so for years, there's this war between the 11 tribes versus Judah. And David's like, I'm supposed to be king, but I'm only king of Judah. And they're like, we don't want you as our king. And then finally, they figure it all out. And they say, okay, we'll be one nation again. And David, because God said you're the king, the prophet said you're the king, you will be king of Israel. And David's like, woohoo, finally. And guess what he got? He got a palace. And he's in this palace and he's resting and he's not at war anymore. No one's chasing him. No one's trying to kill him. All the the wanted posters with his head on it are all taken down and he's finally at peace. And he's laying there and here it is. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around that the king said to Nathan, the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside of a tent made of curtains. David's heart was always after God. He was a man after God's own heart. Then Nathan said to the king, he interpreted what David was saying out loud. The deepest cry of David's heart came to the surface. And he was like, I want to make a place for God to dwell. And Nathan looks at him and says, go and do all that is in your heart. For the Lord is with you. In other words, David, that burning passion you have to build God a place to dwell. Do it. Go for it. And then it fast forwards. And it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, who was the prophet. And he said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. One of the most beautiful questions written in the whole Bible right here. David wants to build God a house and God comes to David and says, would you build me a house? Would you build me a place for me to dwell in? And David's like, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm here today to tell you that through all of history, it has been God's goal to find a place where he can dwell. Did you know that? If you want to figure out what the main purpose of God's heart is, is He wants to find a people in which He can dwell. He wants to live in our hearts. It goes all the way through. The Bible tells of all these different places that He lived, right? He's in heaven and He's on earth. David even says He's in the pit. He's everywhere, right? He was in the garden, keeping His appointment, meeting them in the cool of the day to meet and dwell and talk with Him. Then He was in the tabernacle, right? Then he's in the temple that Solomon builds for him. And now he's in the heart of obedient people. Now you notice I didn't say he's in the heart of everyone. He's in the heart of those that are obedient to him. And we get this from John 14 when Jesus is kind of giving his last last, uh, instructions to the disciples. He's telling them, he goes, now listen to me. And I've, I've used the Passion Translation here because just the way it, it words it, it's the same, same message. He says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Woo! Listen to that. Did you know it is impossible for us to obey God until we first love God? That my love for Him actually lines me up to where I can obey Him. 
If I don't stir my love for him, it will be impossible for me to obey him. And even if he asks me to do a really difficult thing that I'm looking at going, I don't know if I can do that thing. If I will stir my love for him, he will empower me to do what he asked me to do. It all starts with love. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you love me, my love will empower you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply. Come on, listen to the language. My father, because you love me, then you will be empowered to obey me. And my father will love you so deeply. And what does it say? Why don't you read this last part with me? That we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Woo. How beautiful. How can I become the dwelling place of God? I obey Him by loving Him. Y'all okay? He wants to live inside of us. He wants to make His home inside of us. Now, this is kind of a, a weird thing because how many know God is omnipresent? Did you know that God literally is everywhere all the time? Like, you could be on the top of the mountain on the other side of the world by yourself. God is there with you. You can be in the middle of the desert. God is with you. He's in the White House right now. He's in the jail right now. He's in the whorehouse, excuse my language, right now. He's in the drug house. Whew. He's in the wealthiest places around the world. He's in the most beautiful places and the most horrible places. He's literally everywhere. God is omnipresent. But did you know that he's discriminate when choosing where he lives or dwells or abides? He's everywhere. But he's very picky about where he chooses to dwell. Whew. So he can be found anywhere. Amen? But his abiding presence can only be experienced by those who are made aware of him and give attention to him. It does no good to the person who's sitting alone in the desert for God to be omnipresent, but them completely unaware of God. It benefits them none. Zero benefit. He's there. He can do anything for them. The person in prison right now, it doesn't help them at all, the fact that God is omnipresent, unless they tune into His presence. He's here, but He's waiting for you and I to love Him to where we obey Him, to where we attract Him to, to dwell in us. Yes, He's here, but we can attract Him in a different way. Amen? Amen. I heard this sermon. Uh, I listened to this, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of this week. I didn't, I didn't know. It doesn't matter. Michael Miller's from Upper Room in Dallas, he gave this quote in the middle of the sermon, and it wrecked me. I was like, I don't think I really want to listen to anything else right now because this line got me. He who dwells everywhere longs to dwell somewhere. And I just started thinking, like, can I, be, can I be like David and say, God, can I build a house for you? Can I love you so much to where I obey you, to where you choose to come live in me? Of all people, you can choose anyone. But... But would you choose me? Can I love you enough that you will come make your home inside of me? I know you're everywhere, but I know you really long to manifest your presence somewhere. I want to be one of those places. I want to be that place. I want to be a place where God dwells. 
We used to say this at a pastor to church for those that don't know in Arlington called the bridge and, and our, our vision statement that we would say all the time is if we can host him in our homes, if we can host his presence in our homes, we can host his presence in our community. If we can host his presence in our community, we can host his presence in our nation. If we host his presence in our nation, we can host him on the earth. See, the Bible says that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the seas. The Bible says the whole earth will be filled with his glory. That means he's looking for people that will love him and obey him, that he will make his dwelling place in us so that as we come together, his omnipresence becomes manifested presence and that people can encounter him. And that people that are oblivious to the fact that he's here will suddenly be attracted to his presence that's in us. See, life works best when we're a dwelling place for God. It's just true. Like, life works best when we're a dwelling place for God. When we learn the art of hosting his presence. Amen? We say it like this here. He's in us for us. He's on us for others. Would y'all say that? He's in us for us. He's upon us for others. What does it look like when God dwells somewhere? Huh. I know that in the Old Testament, that when God's presence would show up, that it was like a, a cloud, it was a cloud of glory. And that it would become so thick that even the ministers that, that are there to minister before God, the priest, that they couldn't even perform their duties because his presence was so thick. And it was like, oh, the whole reason we're doing this was just so that he would come. Well, he's here. Then these priestly, these priestly duties and responsibilities aren't the main thing. He is. Do you understand how we've missed this? Like when he comes into a room, our busyness should stop. We need to relearn this at Fire Life. When Hank said what he said about the cross being small, he, I felt God come in the room. I felt us just, whoo. And we have to learn in those moments not to busy ourselves, not to become distracted, but to say, oh man, I know that was revelation. It was, it was revelation. It was God shining a light on something he wanted to say to all of us through Hank. And when it, was, when it was made aware, I think all of us made it, we felt an adjustment in our heart. I did. Oh, that's for me too. So thank you, Hank. Like, that's what happens when he shows up. His dwelling places respond. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We're, we're going to dive into some deep waters in the next few weeks. When, uh, when, when, we had, when I had that encounter with Corey Russell and the students from Upper Room almost a year ago, the year's almost up, December 3rd, that day's coming. He said, we have a year to, to prepare for revival, so we're preparing our hearts for revival. He entered the room, and everyone knew it, and everyone instantly responded. I, can't, I, wish, I wish we had it on film. I wish we were rolling tape at that moment in time, because I walked in from the kitchen, and I walked in and I felt heaviness in here. 
And I, my chair was right here, there was a table. And right when my rear end hit the chair, a bomb went off. And everyone, there's four or five interceding, praying in tongues. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I do? But what got us, and, and Matt and, and Kyle were here helping film, it was how sensitive they were to him. Like He came into the room. We were here filming a master class on, on all different subjects, but on prayer and tears and travail and, and ministering unto the Lord. We were there to film a teaching series. We take a coffee break, and he shows up in the middle of the coffee break. And they were so tuned in because they were a dwelling place that all of us were like, whoa, he's here. And we all instantly go, where are you? What are you doing, God? You're here. I want to make myself busy doing what you're doing. And we are doing so many things right now that he's not doing. And I I, I say this is a call for us to enter into a Sabbath. Into a rest. A rest from the things that are fruitless. And we're actually going to work harder than we've ever worked before. But we're going to be more fruitful because we're just going to do what he's doing. When he shows up, the dwelling places all react. Oh, he's here. What is he doing? I don't know yet, but I'm going to pause until I know. And then when I know, I'm going with him. I saw this. I've seen it happen all over the place. The Holy Spirit. How many have ever been in a room where a Holy Spirit bomb goes off? And you're like, oh my goodness, he's here. Sometimes everyone falls on their face. Sometimes people have laughed. Sometimes people have danced. Sometimes people have cried. Whatever it is, he shows up. And the people that have said, I love you, God. I obey you, God. He's like, I'm making my dwelling place in you. Those people are like, whoo, in tune, in unity of the Spirit. And God is wanting to bring us to this place where we're so sensitive to what he's doing. You don't have to be super gifted. Are you all okay? You, you You don't have to be super gifted at this stuff. All you have to do is be sensitive. Make a dwelling place for him. And it looks like something, okay? When he lives in us, when he when he is our when we're his dwelling place, and we abide in him and he abides in us, there are so many benefits that comes with that. He's in us for us. He's our friend, our provider, our keeper. Come on, our helper, our guide. He's our wisdom, our anchor. He's the master planner of our life. I don't know where to go. He knows. Oh God, I will love you so much. I would love for you to dwell in me right now. Would you give me your plan for my life for this next season, for this next time? This is what it looks like when he's in us, for us. What happens if our homes become the dwelling place of God where he shows up and all, and our kids are like, God's here. Whoa. Let's, let's turn the TV off. Let's turn the video games off. Stop. God's here. I don't know what he wants to do, but I know he's here. You feel him? I do too. Yeah. Well, let's ask him. What do you want, God? Because I don't... I'm getting older. Everyone's getting older, right? All of us. <laughs> Hopefully. Unless you're Benjamin Button. <laughs> going backwards, right? But the, I've been... In, the last few weeks, I've just been thinking like... I don't want to waste my life. I just don't. Like, I feel like I've wasted it to now. <laughs> like, what have I done with my life? 
my kids are all getting almost grown. Like, was I a good dad? Did I do like all the stuff that goes through your head, right? I don't want to waste my life. I've been in church my whole life. This isn't it. This isn't all there is. Am I right? This isn't all there is. Coming and singing some songs, feeling good, going home and living our life six, six other days of the week. This, that's not all there is. He wants to inhabit us. I really pray that He would inhabit us so much over the next few weeks that all of us will be like the ministers and the priests in the Old Testament. Like, I can't do what I've always done. Some of you are going to come to an end of things you've been doing for years. Like, well, this is just the, the rhythm of my family. This is just the way we've lived up until this point. And God's presence is going to come into your home and it's going to interrupt it. And you're going to weigh it in a scale and you're going to be like, you know what? It's really not worth it. It's not producing the fruit that you said I would have in my life. So I don't want that. And we're going to begin to empty ourselves. See, God never asks us or invites us into a season of emptying ourselves so that we can be empty. He does it so He can fill us with better things. Where you're not going to waste your life. I'm telling you, God's about to wreck you. You're going to be driving down the road. You're going to be in your house cooking dinner. You're going to be out mowing the yard. And and God's presence is going to show up and He's going to begin to help you weigh in a scale. And you're going to stop some things and add some things and some shifting is going to take place. Because we're in a time where the earth is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to realize who we are. They're in a desert and God's everywhere, but they don't know it. They're in a prison and He's all around them, calling out to them, but they don't understand the signs. They don't know His voice. They don't know what He feels like. So who's going to tell them? It's us. You don't have to be educated in Bible school. You don't have to be educated in the school of supernatural ministry. Although those are wonderful things. All you have to be able to do is like, I don't, all I know is I know him. And I can talk to him and you can talk to him. And he will, if we talk to him, he'll show up. Because we're two or three are gathered in his name. He is there in their midst. Like you don't have to be some super spiritual educated person. All you have to be able to do is just, oh, he's here. He wants to talk to that person. Okay, God, I can do that. I can tell them that you love them. I can tell them that you've been calling them to be a disciple, a follower. I can do that, God. I I, I can't do anything else, but I can do that. And God's going to make us proficient and sensitive to His presence. And you're never going to be the same. We're never going to be the same. He's in us for us, but He's on us for others. I want to finish with these thoughts. What does it look like when God dwells in His people? We become an access point into heaven for other people. We become a gate. We become Bethel. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. We become a reservoir, a wellspring of the river of God. He said, out of your belly shall flow. Why don't you put your hands on your stomach and say this, out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. 
We carry solutions. We carry his love. We carry peace, joy, hope, comfort. We carry the wisdom of the ages in us. We carry the wisdom of the king of wisdom. We carry that wisdom with us. We are gifted and we're empowered to impact their life towards God's purposes. Everyone that isn't connected to God is being influenced in the wrong direction. And you and I, as the dwelling place of God, can put an end to that cycle and can connect them to their eternal destiny just by becoming a place where He dwells. And then you and I can become advocates for them where we fight for their case. hear you, Lord, saying, would you build me a place where I can dwell? Yes, Lord. Let me say yes to that. Yes, Lord. We're going to pray a little differently today. I'm going to ask a few questions and I'm going to ask you to stand in response to that question where you're at. But how many of you would, um, how many of you are willing to give God permission to turn your world upside down? (laughs) If that's you, would you stand? I'm giving you, I'm making room for you, God. Wreck my life. Yeah, why don't you just pray into that with him? God, I yield my life to you. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Nothing is off limits. Kill all my sacred cows. Kill all the Pharisee mindset in me, God. Kill all the religious exercises that are fruitless. Kill all the rebellion and disobedience, God. God, we surrender our lives to you. I want you to know how serious what it is we're praying. It's very serious. Holy Spirit, wreck our lives. Turn us upside down. Make us a dwelling place, a house of prayer, God. 
today could be a, a critical moment. God, I want it to be that for me. I don't want it to ever be the same. I declare that you who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. I will be a dwelling place where the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit live in me. How do we host his presence? We love him. His love help us, helps us to obey him. So God, I ask you to stir up our love for you. Stir up my love for you, God. May all other loves that are inferior, God, may they die. Help us to return to our first love. You've been saying that to us a lot lately, God. Hmm. The next thing we want to pray is that God would shift our attention. And our awareness. He's here, but I want him to inhabit me. I don't want him to just be omnipresent. I want him to live in me. So God, I ask that you would shift our awareness. Apprehend our attention, God. You told us to fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. So God, we look to you. Where you go, we go. What you say, we say. You're in us for us, yeah? Ooh. The last thing I would like for us to pray is the part where he's honest for others. So there's someone next to you. There's people close to you. I want you to bless and pray over them. Let Holy Spirit pray through you. Just bless them. Pray over them. Minister to them. Release heaven over them. Find out what God's doing in their life. Partner with it. Ask Holy Spirit, what do I pray? What do I say? Let's take just a moment to do that. And if you want prayer for anything, we'll meet you here at the front. Um, I'm going to turn my mic off and I'm going to go and pray, but minister to one another just for a moment, all right?